Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. I'm going to try to go through some questions that came in um, and might give you a better understanding about our church, my beliefs. I think these are important questions as well. And so, again, if you have questions, I'll look at this in a little bit. Uh, I'll go back to the screen, look at the comments. And um, let me just begin with the first first one. What circumstances led you to start Westside Christian Fellowship? Well, You'd really have to go and listen to my testimony uh, to to really get the answer to that and how God was working. And I had no plans on pastoring a church. Uh, I was in construction, and God just began putting it on my heart to write books. So I started writing books. I started speaking. And then more and more people suggested, you know, planning a church, starting a church, and was just open to whatever God wanted to do. And uh, he clearly opened the doors. Um, we had a building. We had our worship team. We had sound. We had everything. Um, once we lined up with what God wanted to do, we actually started on a uh, Saturday night. So I think with pastoring, in my case, and in the case of many others, it's your background plays a huge role. You know, God will use your background. I had a background somewhat in business and sales and marketing and different things, um, and obviously didn't do well in school, which I've talked to you. I don't know how much I should repeat because a lot of you already know my story and some people don't, uh, but did not do well in school. And that kind of motivated me. You'll, you'll know, or you can find out that a lot of, um, I think fortune 500 companies, CEOs, a lot of them aren't necessarily, uh, college educated because, um, you know, when they, when they have some difficulties or challenges, it makes them work even harder. And so I think out of that, um, de- dependence, and not being that educated as far as, you know, what the world considers education, barely graduated high school, didn't go to college. God began to just pour into my heart and through that just brokenness and reliance on him and a studying theology, lots of studying of theology um, and not wanting to plan a church. I just wanted to speak. But then I could I could sense and my wife could sense that God was doing something a little bit different in our hearts. And Westside Christian Fellowship, we just said, hey, we're going to be on the West Side. Let's start a fellowship. Nothing too dynamic to that. And uh, from my experience studying theology, and God really broke me over the last you know, 12 years after we planted the church, it's a continual breaking process. And looking back, who I am now is definitely not who I was back then. And so I think, with, in my opinion, you become conscious of this call that God puts on your life and actually quoting D Martin Lloyd Jones. Um, you know, I, I think those who are truly called to the pastorate don't call themselves. They just become conscious. They become aware of the calling that God has put on their life. So that's really how the church came about. Uh, who are my mentor mentors? Uh, and how did I prepare to enter the ministry? And, uh, boy, if you, if you go way back when I first came back to the Lord, it was obviously Charles Stanley, you know, Chuck Swindoll, uh, David Jeremiah, and a lot of the guys that were on the radio, um, Alistair Begg, of course, uh, Greg Laurie, uh, Chuck Smith, listen, a lot of, all of Chuck Smith's, uh, Bible teachings through the Bible. I actually had a seminary in my backhoe. I was in construction. I actually ended up purchasing my own company. 
and uh, have running heavy equipment. I just had an enclosed cab. It means you have AC on, heater on, radio on. So I went 3,000 hours of just listening to Chuck Smith, uh, teaching through the Bible. Uh, John MacArthur, of course, uh, had a lot of information from Vision Forum or Wall Builders, uh, Systematic Theology. I would listen to a lot of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a lot of his on audio, and just pouring, pouring, pouring into my heart in these areas. Also looking at both sides, you know, the Calvinism, Calvinism side, the Arminian side, and uh, uh, the different views on um, losing your salvation, not losing your salvation, because on some things, especially eschatology, the end times, the Bible, you know, is it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And that's why you'll hear people say, you know, my end times view versus my my view of the end times that is absolute truth, because all we have right really are views uh, all millennial, premillennial, postmillennial, the Calvary Chapel movement versus the reform movement, their view on end times. Uh, and so that's who a lot of my early mentors were. Uh, those, I, I, I have three different types of mentors that I would say those currently in my life and those I, you know, can glean from internationally or nationally. And then obviously those who have passed away. I read a lot of Spurgeon's works, you know, lectures to my students. I poured over that a few different times. E.M. Bounds on prayer, A.W. Tozer, Leonard Ravenhill. So I would consider them mentors because they poured into my life. Even though they are dead, they still speak. Uh, so that's important. And um, who else was on that? Uh, James McDonald. Uh, many of you walk in the word. Many of you will remember that. Of course, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham. I've read many of Billy Graham's biographies. And so that's kind of where I, you know, would hang my theological hat on those different mentors. Um, current mentors. Well, I think we're all growing and learning um, at, at Westside Christian Fellowship. So, of course, we have our, our elders uh, and I'll answer one of those questions that come up. We are led by a plurality of elders. So it's not Pastor Shane at the top and everyone else come beneath. And I'm, I'm like a CEO, you know, bossing people around. However, we recognize that there is a leader among equals. So I am the lead pastor. I get the most heat. I take the most heat. I handle the most issues. Um, you know, and help make decisions financially with the elder team, the vision casting, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility. I'm glad there's, there's like-minded men that come alongside me. And so I would say they are, uh, some degree, my mentors, um, I think most of them, except pastor Abram, probably older than me. And, and, and at a, at an elders meeting, um, many times I will say, okay, is there anything you guys think I need to work on? Anything you're sensing from the congregation? Uh, the preaching style, what I'm saying, uh, you know, too political, uh, maybe not in, in, uh, focusing on Jesus enough. And so I'm open for their constructive criticism. Uh, and then I have different mentors that I would consider mentors that, you know, I don't talk to a lot, but I can text or I get texts from them and encouragement from them. Uh, many of, many of them I've mentioned before, uh, from Rob McCoy on the Calvary Chapel and Pastor Jack Hibbs from the Calvary Chapel. And uh, I'm also in touch with um, a, a lot of pastors, you know, that, that, that they've been around longer than myself, uh, a few local pastors as well. Um, and so those, those I think that can ask the hardest questions are those who are around you the most, uh, your elder team, associate pastor, um, even some of the deacons, uh, you know, so I would, I would probably put a good, 
you know, three or four people at the church as I would say mentors, men I look up to, obviously elders, and then uh, the, the ones I just mentioned, Jim Garlow, of course. And then I have some in the charismatic circles, some in the reformed circles, some in the Baptist circles. I know I reach out to, we I text sometimes Pastor Paul Chapel at Lancaster Baptist, you know, um, incredible ministry there. And that's why I might surprise a lot of people. I have different people I talk to. One that's, I mean, he, he can be controversial. So can other people. Rob McCoy can be controversial. Also, I, I talked to uh, Dr. Michael Brown, uh, probably once a month, uh, just questions about revival and the gifts of the spirit. Um, and haven't seen anything, uh, out of line with him. This, this charge of the, NAR, uh, I don't even know what it stands for, you know, Apostolic Reformation that is just so blown out of proportion. I think they're going to come out with a statement here shortly on exactly denouncing that. And just because you believe that God still calls apostles in the sense of capital A, apostle really just means sent one. So all these people that have a problem with apostles and prophets, I mean, if you just look up the biblical term, they're biblical. There are sent ones that go out and plant churches. There are prophetic voices who have a strong calling in their preaching. I think of Leonard Ravenhill and Tozer, man. And then you have pastor, teacher. And, and that's why, you know, the fivefold ministry doesn't have to be weird. It's, it's in the Bible. It's biblical. Jesus gave gifts in these areas. And so, uh, those would be some of my current mentors. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Um, the, I, I try to stay in touch sometimes, sometimes with, um, three or four different worship leaders as well. Um, and then also what is, Oh, do I have an accountability group? Yes, I would say once a month, the elders meeting, uh, the elders group, um, is where, you know, we would, I would share, you know, things that are going on and, and how can I get prayer and any, any, any ideas on their thoughts? You know, I've shared struggles with them in the past. Um, we all know what our cracks in the armor are. And so, you know, people will watch those cracks in the armor and help you gauge, uh, maybe if you're staying on course or not. Uh, and then I have people who like to be critics, helpful critics, but, you know, it's just constant criticism. Uh, you really have to check their heart. Are they, do they have a critical spirit or are they genuinely concerned? And you have to be careful who you allow to speak into your life, I believe. Um, and then the next question was, what is the vision and mission of Westside Christian Fellowship? You know, I've been asked that a lot over the years. You know, what is a, what's your vision statement or what is your mission statement? And I grew up in the corporate world, uh, with 24 hour fitness. I ran multiple fitness centers, um, I think there's around 150 employees I had underneath that I was responsible for. We had about a $300,000 budget each month that I had to hit. I had to generate $300,000 in revenue every single month and have same store growth over the pre previous year. And so learning how corporations work, uh, 6% was a good same store growth. I had to keep beating myself though. And that's where it got challenging. Uh, and then marketing, branding, all that good stuff. Um, and so my mission, I, I, I approach this a lot differently than business in some senses, but in other senses, the same, you know, you, you, there's a lot of close parallels, but my mission statement is, you know, which you, of course you can read on online. Um, and I gave a message on September 25th of 2022 on, are you spiritually healthy? And I talked about the desperate need for prayer, the desperate need for spiritual power, the desperate need for discipleship, the desperate need for love, unity, you know, all those things. And so my mission really is to stay focused on Christ, uh, pursue intimacy with him. And I, you know, I could be wrong in this. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea. 
Uh, and again, if you want to chime in and answer questions, I'll try to go back to the page here in a minute and look at some of those questions that come in. But um, I, I don't know where God has us next year. I don't know where God has us in three years. Uh, I've learned that lesson over the years that, you know, well, this is what we think God, man plans, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. So um, I don't really have a vision statement or, a, a, a you know, here's where we're going to be in a year, three years, five years. Say, Lord, wherever you want us uh, is where we want to be. Obviously, growing the ministry, uh, just the, the way the Lord has got us on radio. If you go to shaneidleman.com, you can check out the different states where the sermons are aired, I think. I mean, last we checked, 50 different stations across the United States, hearing from people every day just about. So it's incredible. Um, I wish I had an answer. Uh, so there's no vision statement, mission statement, other than what's on our website. Um, and uh, I don't have, um, I don't go in, uh, into a lot of depth in that area because I'm, I'm honestly living day by day, week by week. Christ is our focus. He opens this door that I never thought would be open. And so that's off my vision statement and or not on my vision statement. And then he does this. So I think just pursuing Christ and living that out is really the best uh, example you can have. Um, also uh, asking about our leadership structure at Westside Christian Fellowship. I think I just answered that. You know, there's really three different types of leadership at a church. There is what Chuck Smith would, would call the mosaic form of church government. I think that's what Calvary Chapel was and still could be. And there's pros and cons to that. You know, if you have a humble leader, um, you know, it works. Uh, I know even Foursquare, I believe, has that where the pastor is in charge and uh, the only person really in charge, but then you obviously can see the pitfalls to that is accountability and things like that. And and then there's congregational rule where the where the church will actually vote on everything. I think it's good to bring big items up to the church, and we will on when we had to repair the roof, when we maybe if we ever have to open another location, uh, big decisions. You know, you want to bring to the congregation. But we're not congregational vote, meaning, I mean, they can vote you in, they can vote you out. They can, it's a congregation votes on everything. And I think that started when the Puritans came over, uh, 1620 or so with the pilgrims. And that was a good way to do things because, you know, you've, you're off the Mayflower, uh, vessel there and hey, what are we going to do? And so you have the congregation vote. But I think ideally in the Bible, it is a plurality of elders leading the church. Um, also, how is Westside Christian, ship, uh, Christian Fellowship fulfilling the Great Commission, which you all know, most of you know, is to go out and make disciples and spread the message of the gospel. And so I think we do that through, you know, obviously locally through our baptisms, our outreach, uh, different, we, the different outreaches we have. We usually allow people that are, are gifted and God has put that desire in their heart and they go out and do the homeless ministry or the ministry towards a pregnancy resource council or ministry towards uh, the deaf hard of hearing or the ministry towards a special needs. And so uh, we're fulfilling it in uh, many different areas. And then we have obviously our mission program, which we, we obviously are open to, to more uh, areas of, of mission outreach, which um, again, most of you know, uh, and a lot of these questions, I, I don't know if they're really um, pertaining to those watching. So I'm going to get to these, uh, some of these a little bit later in private. I can talk to the, the men's group who asked these questions. Um, and I'm going to go here before I go to the next question, go on live, see if there's any comments coming in. If you guys have any comments, let me know. Um, I don't know if I can, I'm going to have to turn down the volume here on the phone. Okay. Let's see. Um, Hi, D. Hi, Thomas. 
Hey, Don, lots of questions. Uh, Pastor Shane, I've been fasting six days now. Is it common to still be having headaches? Um, absolutely. And so, you know, that's the hard part is, is there's so many different variables. That's why I recommend downloading my two books on fasting for free at the church website. At the church website, they are free. Um, but you know, detox takes a while. So if you're detoxing from caffeine, detoxing from sugar, uh, all those different things. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Maybe I should come back to the comments after I get through all the questions. Um, but yes, it is, it is common to still have headaches, but are they create, created from low potassium, magnesium, um, the, the different electrolytes? In that case, you might want to take an electrolyte supplement, just some clear supplement you can add to water. Um, so anyway, I think I'll come back to these because you guys got a lot of fasting questions. Uh, and so let me go. If you have questions, I'll start putting them in the comments now. Um, where I stand doctrinally, um, and discuss, I mean, most of you, if you've been hearing the sermons, you know, but where I stand in regard, regard to soteriology, uh, Christ, uh, Christology, Christology, depending on how you pronounce it, pneumatology, eschatology, and, uh, soteriology is the study of salvation. And then, uh, Christology, the study of Christ in salvation, pneumatology, Holy Spirit, eschatology is end times. Boy, this would take a while, but when regard to salvation, um, we are not saved by works, lest any man boast. It's faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only life. Nobody comes a father except through him. No plan B's, no compromise. And that's just where I stand on salvation. Now, the whole works thing with Roman Catholicism, Martin Luther, the, you know, the, the just shall live by faith, but then show me your faith by your works. It's actually pretty simple. I don't think we need to make it so complex is obviously we're not saved by works. That that's a no brainer. But if you have no fruit, if you have no works, you don't have saving faith. And so the works just confirm the, the work that's been done in my heart. So your works, our works, all they do is confirm inward working of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And uh, salvation is in no other name, in Christ alone. And then so the study of Christ in theology, I mean, there's a lot there at uh, hypostatic union, you know, where he's fully God, fully man. I believe that. I believe he was fully God, fully man, but he gave up some of his divinity, took on the form of man, and consider it not robbery to be equally man, equal with man, but he, he took on the form of flesh and humbled himself. And so... But we don't know exactly what that looks like. I mean, to what degree did he give up some of that? Uh, to what degree did he maintain his divinity? And the study of, of Christ and fully human, fully man, fully divine, the virgin birth. He, he, he was conceived through the virgin birth. Um, and uh, obviously, um, the Trinity, he's part of the triune nature of God. So I, I would say in my, these areas, I, you know, it, it falls right in line with, um, solid theological teaching throughout the years. Now, you, then you, from there, you springboard into reformed, you know, which would be total depravity, uh, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. And, you know, the reason Calvinism is so popular, five-point Calvinism, Calvin was four of those points. I think Theodore Betza, one of his followers, brought in the fifth point of limited atonement. Um, is, you know, in all of those, they're, they're true statements. It just depends how you break it down. So in regard to salvation, is man totally depraved? Absolutely. I agree with total depravity. However, 
Where I disagree is I still believe that God gave man the ability to repent and believe. It's not a good gift. It's not something good in man. God commands everywhere to repent and believe. So if God commands a man to do that, that tells me he must be able to perform the action that God is asking. And then if he rejects God, then that is where the whole uh, concept of hell comes into play. He is cast away from God because he rejects God. And so I believe he's totally depraved, but I believe that to me, that's the only way the, the gospels make sense. It's the only way the Bible really makes sense. I don't see God creating billions of people and only choosing a, a select portion of those people, but then also telling the other billions they need to repent and believe in order to be saved. But, oh, but oh, right, that's right. You can't do that. You know, you're not chosen. So I believe in total depravity, but not to that degree, if that makes sense. And then irresistible grace means when God's grace comes upon you and he's calling you, you can't resist that. And there's, you know, there's some truth to that. John the Baptist in his mother's womb, Jeremiah, before he was even formed, uh, he, he knocked Paul off his beast. And some would argue they, they still could have resisted that call of God and um i don't i think i think in that case god called them he said i want you on my team end of story so in that sense his grace was irresistible um and then limited atonement means christ's blood is just for the elect because you know christ's blood is so powerful that if it was for everyone then everyone would be saved um however i don't quite see limited atonement because the bible teaches that in my opinion that christ's blood was shed for everyone uh, just like we see in the Passover when, uh, when, and Jesus became our Passover when the death angel passed over, whoever put the blood on it. So the blood was shed, but they had to actually apply the blood over the doorposts and things. And same thing. Christ is our Passover, first Corinthians, I believe. And we have to apply the blood. It's there, but you have to apply it. And so, uh, irresistible grace, unconditional, uh, unconditional election means there's nothing you can do, uh, to merit God's favor in salvation. And, you know, there, there's, there's truth to that as well. And the perseverance of the saints, the true saints of God will persevere. Uh, they will not fall away. And so again, if you've been following my teaching, I believe when the scripture says the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee and that the Holy Spirit seals us and that uh, we are sons of God, ch- children of God, and that uh, no one, no one will, ca- will remove us from, from Christ. I believe that a person is eternally secure, but I don't teach once saved, always saved. You can do whatever you want. I, I teach if you're doing whatever you want, you're probably not saved. You know, there's, there's genuine fruit there. Doesn't mean there won't be hard seasons. Doesn't mean the prodigal son won't wander over to the pigs, but they will come home. So hope that helps in some of those areas. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. And many of you, they have, uh, pneumatic, um, tools, you know, air guns. That's where that word pneuma comes from. Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. And I am just deeply moved by pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. We see that it is a, the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's a person that can be quenched, can be grieved. And I believe this is how God works through us as believers. A person that's filled with the Holy Spirit or they can quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, you have all of the Holy Spirit at conversion, but does he have all of you? And many times he doesn't have all of us. And that's why when people years later, <clears throat> I mean, I can think of D.L. Moody, 
<clears throat> I can think of in my own life uh, where they didn't have the fullness of the spirit at conversion. They had it years later when they finally surrendered everything. And so what people call a second work of grace or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really a, 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 a defining moment in their life when they fully surrender, they empty themselves of themselves. And as a result, they are full of the spirit. And so although it seems like a second work of grace, uh, I don't believe that it is. I believe that it, it was the power of the spirit is there resting upon us. But to do, what degree we give control to the Holy Spirit over into our lives will determine, you know, how filled we are with the spirit. Now, we do read in the Bible, and Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, and Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit. You even see in Ezekiel, Old Testament's a little bit different. The Holy Spirit came upon Ezekiel. The Holy Spirit came upon Elisha. And so I believe there are defining moments in a person's life where, I mean, I've, I've been where I've go to a speaking engagement, and I don't feel anything. I'm just, all right, kind of going through the motions, worship, you know, and, and then I get up to preach, and then the Holy Spirit literally just comes upon my message and I can tell there's a, there's a stark difference between night and day. Um, so, and then eschatology, hopefully I'll get into that when I, when I, uh, talk about end times a little bit more. Um, I, I, my, my belief is pretty simple. You know, Jesus is coming again, uh, the rapture and it's, it really comes from the word harpazo, harpazo, and there's a catching away. Uh, Thessalonians, Paul writes about there's a catching away. So some will be dead and, and be, and rise up in the resurrection. Some will be taken away and there's a, there's a catching up that happens. That's what the rapture is. So I believe in the rapture. I believe that Jesus is coming again. I believe that we need to be ready. But when those events happen, that's the big question. When, you know, there's different opinions, different views on when that happens. And, you know, when I read the Bible, I don't see Christ coming for a rapture for his church and then a second coming later, to me it all culminates at one event. The second coming, the rapture, boom, it all happens at one at one time. And I'll, hopefully I can teach on that in, in the months and years ahead, hopefully in the months ahead. Uh, but I don't think people should divide over it because, you know, I've listened to David Jeremiah, Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, Amir Safardi with Jack Hibbs, and, you know, there, there's, and I would probably lean towards that view. Uh, I just have a lot of questions on, you know, we might be here when the Antichrist is here. We might not be taken away. We might have to go through some difficulties. And if there is the wrath of God, we could be protected from that wrath, just like they're protected in Egypt. The children of Israel were from God's wrath. And there's a lot to that. There's different views on it, pre-wrath, post-wrath. Um, and hoping, again, I can teach on that in the future. I just want to give you at least a little bit on my... So my eschatology is I have some some strong beliefs in those foundational doctrines. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? We will be caught up. And uh, there, there seems to be, you know, if you read the millennial reign of Christ, you know, is it a literal thousand years? I know the other seven or eight times it's mentioned in the Bible, it's not a literal thousand years. So... Is that a literal thousand years? It looks like Christ is going to reign. You know, I mean, that's that's how Scripture reads. Now, is the devil on a literal chain? Of course not. You know, so what is literal? What is allegory? What is figuratively speaking? And, and you know, it's just you, you got to really hold on to your eschatology loosely because you could prove to be wrong. Uh, the mark of the beast will be an actual mark on the forehead. And I mean, we we see it's get going in that direction. You can't buy or sell or trade. You know, that's what the cryptocurrency is going to do. I'm just telling you. I mean, there's no way around. 
around that one. Oh, we don't like this guy. Let's shut him down. You can't buy or sell or trade unless you bow to the false narratives and the, and the false agenda of the government system. And that's, and we can see that. And we just can't be worried. We just got to keep praying and fasting and ask that God would move on our behalf and, and lead us. And at, at some, if, at some point, if we have to die for him, you know, if you're not ready, if you're not living for him now, it's going to be really hard to die for him later. And I know that worries a lot of people, but, um, it, it shouldn't. You know, martyrdom has been, uh, is, is something that we don't look for and look forward to, but it's an honor, honor to die for your savior. You know, I know easier said than done, but you know, if the more you're in God's word, the more you're meditating on his, his principles, the easier it is to get through life. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidelman.com. Again, that's shaneidelman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.